What's going on? Welcome to the show. Happy, uh, what is today? Tuesday. Happy Tuesday. It would come to me. I knew it would. The Pete Callender Show, News Talk 1110-993-WBT, 704-570-1110 and 1-800-WBT-1110. Um, so I'm not going to really get into this uh, story, but just uh, the latest on that, uh, the missing uh, girl out in what, uh, well, I guess they found her body. Now they believe it's her body out in uh, Grand Teton National Park, and the boyfriend is missing, and now all of a sudden there's this evidence that, oh, actually, when the cops showed up to that domestic uh, disturbance call, uh, that she wasn't actually the aggressor. There was somebody else who called 911 who said that he was whipping up on her. It's There is a lesson here, and like I'm not trying to minimize anything, obviously, this poor girl and her family and what they're going through, but like they were, was it van life, right? Something like that, right? Blogging or, or face tubing or whatever it is. And all of the pictures that they're showing on all of the cable channels, you know, from their, uh, from their trip, you know, they got in the van and they were going to go out to Oregon, I think. And all of the videos and pictures they took all along the way. And they're all smiling and happy and all this stuff. That that really is symbolic of social media, right? Like I was just watching this report on Fox News in the in the studio here before I get on the air, and it's just like it it it's symbolic of our entire culture. Like everybody thinks everyone else is doing fantastic and having way more fun than they are doing all of these really great things. Meanwhile, like you're actually driving across country in a van with an abuser in a personal hell, right? Like that's social media is not real life. Politics is right. No, I'm kidding. Um, so remember today is Tuesday. So we're going to talk with, uh, the speaker of the house of North Carolina. Tim Moore will join us and uh, we'll talk a little bit about the voter ID. And by the way, I'm sorry. I just, for some reason, the emails that people sent to me yesterday during the show, I didn't get until like this morning. I don't know why, but I'll read some of them after that uh, chat with the House Speaker because we're uh, we'll talk a little bit uh, more about the uh, uh, those two judges and the ruling on the voter ID case. So that'll be at two o'clock, as it always is on Tuesdays. Oh, I just realized that's a, another T in the alliteration. Tuesdays at two with Tim. You can go too far, by the way. In the alliteration branding, yeah, you can go too far. It is possible. You get too many, and trust me, as one with the last name Callender with a K, three is too many, okay? Especially if you're going to you know, turn that thing into an acronym. You do not want to brand it, so your limit is two Ks. There's actually a, there's an ad on our radio station. They, you only do two Ks. You never do the third. So uh, just some of the basic rules of uh, marketing. Thought I'd pass them along to you. Um, new COVID cases plateau. Interesting. I think I actually said this was coming about a week and a half ago because all of this is now at this point becoming predictable. You can actually see the cycles. If you have some trusted sources, and no, I'm not talking about Gateway Pundit, save the emails. Um, which, by the way, the email is Pete at the Pete Show dot com. You can also interact with me on the Twitter machine. 
Uh, that is at Pete Callender. Oh, and uh, programming note, the governor doing his COVID briefing, but he's doing it at 3 o'clock again. I have noticed, I don't think it's, maybe it's just coincidental, and I'm sure it is, but ever since I started doing the show here, noon to 3, he has now started always doing his briefings at 3 o'clock, so I can't cover them live. Have you noticed that? Yeah, I'm sure it's coincidental. It's totally coincidental, I'm sure. <laughs> I have no doubt about it. Uh, so at any rate, the um, the numbers, the COVID-19 cases have plateaued, and they're starting to decline in North Carolina. Second week in a row, as a matter of fact. Um, yeah, headline writers and media, hardest hit. The uh, downward trend comes after weeks of rapidly increasing cases due to the Delta variant, a mutation of the coronavirus that's more than twice as contagious as the original strain, that according to the CDC. Charlotte Observer reports, quote, nearly 98% of sequenced virus in North Carolina is Delta. By the way, that's how people, uh, people will sometimes ask, how do they know it's all Delta? That's how they know is after the fact they run it through, like after they take the uh, the samples or whatever, they run it through, they sequence the DNA, and that's how they find out it's this Delta variant. So the number of people hospitalized with the virus statewide has surged, had surged from 396 in early July. This is hospitalizations from about 400 up to over 3,300. So it, it basically went up by an, a, a magnitude of, what, nine times? Ten times almost. And that was as of Monday. But the number has now started to decline. Um, of those currently hospitalized, about 27% are being treated in intensive care. Um, and that is a little bit of a decline as well. ICU patients hit a pandemic peak of 955 in late August. So that was still the peak for us in North Carolina uh, the original, I guess, alpha strain, the original strain, Delta came pretty close to that if you're looking at ICU. Now, the question of hospitalization data is now being called into question. I'll go over that in a minute. First, we're going to go over some traffic uh, with Boomer Von Cannon. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Deaths from COVID-19 have spiked since July, but they're now on the decline. So September, 849 people have died so far. August had 1,153. This is all North Carolina specific, according to the latest reports from DHHS and reported at the Charlotte Observer. Um, So far, uh, sorry, in all of June and July combined, there were 378 people who died. So in those two months, June and July, 378 people died and uh, with COVID. And I'm not sure if it's with or for yet. And I know that's a very big deal. So I'm just trying to be completely upfront and honest. Uh, like, I, I don't know. I'm just reading to you out of the Charlotte Observer report here. Got to go with what they're telling me because they're the arbiters of truth. Um, September, 849 people died. So that's like three times, two to three times the number of people died. And then August was even more than that. It was like almost four times the number of people died. So there's obviously a spike. And just like at the beginning of the uh, pandemic, we saw a spike. We saw you know, a bunch of cases. We saw a bunch of deaths. And then it trailed off. And everybody was like, we did 
it. Thank you, mask mandates. And then, of course, it goes back up because viruses behave like viruses. They're going to virus. That's what they do. And they became uh, this one became more transmissible and less deadly. A, uh, a DHHS analysis from late August found unvaccinated people more than four times likely to catch COVID-19, 15 times more likely to die due to the disease, according to the News and Observer. So I bring this story up. For, first off, this is this is good news that the numbers are going down again. And uh, if you don't want good news, I mean, that's your call, I guess. But like, I would prefer to get like I'm pulling for humans over the virus. Like that's who I'm rooting for. I'm rooting for us. I'm a bit of a homer when it comes to this stuff. I uh, I prefer us over viruses. So um, pulling for us uh, and uh, bad news for the virus is good news for humans. And so uh, I take that as good news. But I bring this up because not just to you know convey the good news, but also because the number, the metric that we have used for so long as really the the most reliable number, the most reliable metric, hospitalizations, now is starting to lose meaning, according to a recent piece in The Atlantic by David Zweig. And I mentioned this the other day. I didn't have time to uh, go into it in depth, which I shall now do in honor of Governor Cooper's COVID briefing, which, by the way, he's doing this briefing at 3 o'clock. And I don't know what he's going to discuss. I think he'll probably get a question or two and uh, do a bit of a scolding slash victory lap on the union County schools topic. I think he'll probably do something like that. You know, um, I don't think he's going to get it. Just going to put a marker here. I don't think he'll get a single challenging kind of a question, like any kind of question that actually challenge. Well, no, hang on a second. I take it back. He might because AP Dillon's going to be there today. So he might actually get a challenging question. So this will be fun. She's with the North State Journal. So we'll see <laughs> if, because now they're doing the in-person briefings again. And so she's going to be there. So if there's a chance of a challenging type of a question, she's the, put your money on AP. So, uh, so okay, aside from her, I don't think he's going to get any kind of challenging questions about any of the fundamental assumptions at play here, right? He will not be asked, I'm sure, about the the Waterloo University study that showed ventilation, modest ventilations, a better uh, way to uh, avoid spread and transmission than cloth masks. But, uh, I mean, that's just based on the last year and a half of watching all the press conferences that he has done. He doesn't get challenging questions. He, he rarely gets challenging questions. So we'll see. I don't think he's going to get any today, except for maybe AP. She might get one or two in before they like drag her out of the room. Um, and then what was the other, uh, so they're going to, you know, spike the ball a little bit on the, uh, on the union County deal. I also think uh, they'll start, they'll, they'll probably mention that the numbers are going down and I'm sure he'll claim credit for it. The mask mandate or something, even though, like the, the the studies show mask mandates don't work, but I'm sure he'll claim credit for it uh, at some point, if not today, then at the next briefing. And he'll talk about maybe monoclonal antibodies because he talked about it last time. He'll talk about how everybody needs to get vaccinated. They'll talk about their website. They may mention the three W's, but that's kind of passe now. So uh, that's just my prediction. We'll see what happens. I'll be live tweeting it at three o'clock. So uh, 
So if you are on the Twitter machine, you can follow me there. Uh, and this way you don't even have to watch it. I watch it so you don't have to. I'm a giver. So at least 12,000 Americans have already died from COVID-19 in the month of September. And the country inches through its latest surge in cases. But another worrying statistic is often cited to depict the dangers of this moment, and that is the number of patients hospitalized with COVID-19. It's right now as high as it has been since the beginning of February, which was sort of the tail end of the first spike. From the start, COVID hospitalization served as a vital metric, right? That, to me, was always the most important metric that uh, Cooper and Cohen would always uh, promote. They gave us the, you know, they, what, what they'd said, uh, COVID syndromic like or uh, syndromic COVID like cases, whatever, like people who present with these cases, hospitalizations, case counts, right? These were the numbers that they gave us. And to me, hospitalizations were always the biggest one because that's what flattening the curve was all about, making sure the hospitals don't get overrun, right? And it also shows that whatever treatment people had been doing at home on their own hadn't worked. And so now they are in a very serious way that they're now at a hospital. So the idea was hospitalizations are a, a, a better metric to gauge how bad things are versus case counts. That's always been my understanding of it. And now we're finding out that, well, yeah, some of that might not be the most, some of that might be misleading. All right, News Talk 1110-993-WBT. I don't know who Terry Kristoff is, but um, apparently MSNBC's Joy Reid, the host, also uh, the woman who claimed that she got hacked, and that's why her her blog had all of those homophobic blog posts from years ago. It totally wasn't her. It was somebody else who wrote them all. Joy Reid, host of MSNBC show of the same name and uh, the Reed report or something like that. And um, she's all upset at the media coverage of Gabby Petito, the disappearance and presumed murder and all of that. And she's very upset that, that this white woman gets all of this attention. And Terry Kristoff points out like, man, maybe if only Joy Reed had some sort of a platform to call attention to other missing women, maybe like that would help if she had just her own show or something. All these people who pretend like they're like they're not part of the thing they're a part of. All right. So on the hospitalization numbers, uh, apparently they can be misleading. There's new research uh, that they uh, these researchers tried to get at a similar question uh, that others have uh, kind of looked at, but uh, kind of fell short of as well. Uh so instead of looking at, well, I'm not going to go over the other ones. Uh, they, they checked to see whether each patient at a VA hospital had gotten supplemental oxygen or had a blood oxygen level below 94%. And uh, that's the criteria that's based on the National Institutes of Health definition of, quote, severe COVID. Okay, so if either of these conditions was met, then the authors would classify that patient as having moderate to severe disease Otherwise, the case was just considered to be mild or asymptomatic. And therefore, they would say that's not a hospitalization for COVID. That's a hospitalization with COVID. If you were on the oxygen, if you were on like supplemental oxygen, or your blood, uh, blood oxygen level was below 94%, then they would consider that to be 
severe. And so that means that you were in the hospital for COVID. And what they found was that the proportion of patients with mild or asymptomatic disease was 36%. The number went up to 48% due to Delta. The study suggests that roughly half of all of the hospitalized patients that show up in the data dashboards have been admitted for another reason entirely or only had a very mild presentation of the disease. So do you think Governor Cooper will get asked about that? Maybe Mandy Cohen and her, you know, her expertise, the she's the expert on this stuff. Do you think maybe somebody could ask her about that with versus four? Have she has she read the research here? Does this apply to North Carolina hospitals? The increase was even bigger. And by the way, this is important because the media has been telling everybody that the increase in the numbers means we're all going to die, which, spoiler alert, we are. Um, No, it's true. Life is a race against death that we all eventually lose. Again, spoiler alert. But um, if we're going to be terrifying people that their chances of getting COVID and dying from COVID are like 50%, which of course they are not, uh, then I don't know, maybe media could do some work here to ratchet down the hysteria. Just a thought, folks, just throwing it out there. All right, let me go to Stan here. Hello, Stan. Welcome to the show. What's up? Uh, Pete, how are you doing today? Hey, I'm good. What's going on? I want to talk with you about the status of of some of the therapeutics, uh, such as the... um, Biden administration limiting the distribution of them to certain states who aren't going along with the program. But then I hear last night. I believe you mean to say that they're distributing those monoclonal antibodies in an right. equitable uh, fashion. It's about equity. Right, right. right. That, that is correct. But then there's something else to hear last night that Walgreens and CBS and some other national pharmacies, the pharmacies are actually refusing to fill prescriptions from doctors. And so we're at a point now where. Your medical doctor can't decide what you, drugs that you take, but the pharmacy through the major national the source decides what's available to you. Yeah, some of them are, some of them are not. Um, we got a, I got a call from a guy last week because I actually had the president of the American Pharmacists Association on, uh, and I asked her this very question, and she gave some ridiculous kind of answer about how the pharmacist's role is to, uh, is to not fill prescriptions if they don't think that the patient uh, will be helped by the prescription or something like like she's got some sort of veto authority or pharmacists do um, and uh, I'm not so sure that's everybody else's understanding of the role of a pharmacist especially after the opioid epidemic where they were just like you know filling prescriptions for pills like candy so I'm not sure everybody really agrees with that but she defended uh, this very thing um but and that prompted a phone call from a fellow who said that he went into a C. I think he said he went into a Walgreens. They refused to fill it. He went across the street to CVS and they did because I think it was for ivermectin. Well, see, well, I'm not a conspiracy minded person, but after watching what they they banned doctors from social media for doing this and all the treatments, and it's almost like this was never about COVID and isn't about COVID. It's all about the vaccine and the benefits the government can derive in terms of power over your life to force you to do something. So think, so do you, so CVS is acting on behalf of the government? Is that the idea? Yes. I, but I mean, well, why else would they? I mean, kind of like the FAA I, banning drone flights. You know what I mean? They want to say they're not 
acting on behalf of the current people in power, but in fact, it's obvious that they are. Is it possible that the people who are running CVS are just as uninformed about this stuff as the average Facebook poster? No. You don't think, think so? More, I, I would think they're more informed. I think it's all about a, a political agenda. So, all right, so, because I disagree. I think the people um, who are in charge of these companies and who are making these types of decisions, I think they're just as terrified as your average progressive uh, tend to be. I'm just going by the stats. Uh, upper income, middle-aged woman of the left, uh, they tend to be the most terrified people of COVID. So uh, I suspect that there are a lot of those people who are populating the ranks of these companies. There's actually a, There was actually a piece by Alaa Pundit at Hot Air that I had today, hotair.com, mm-hmm. where he talked about this, uh, it's a caste system, essentially. And you see it with the... Um, uh, the Met Gala and the Emmy Awards, right? Where all of the all of the poor's, we you know, all of the non-elites, we all have to mask up. But they they get separate rules for themselves when it comes to the masks. And uh, just like with, for example, the um, uh, the the border crisis and people coming across the border, they're not getting vaccinated, right? They're not required to have vaccinations and all of that stuff. Uh, but the people who are flying in from overseas, they are. Well, why the difference, uh, a different approach there? Well, because those are the people that they're going to be associating with. They don't see themselves as mingling with the poors, so they don't care. doesn't matter yeah. to them. That's all just in service. So it, it's not necessarily government. It's, the, it, it's, a, it's a class thing going it's, well, on. Well, it's, it's a class. And, well, here's what I thought. When, yeah. we call, when we say that they make their own rules and then they go out and they violate them, we call it hypocrisy. It's not hypocrisy. It's intentional. They're sending a message that we now own you, that we get to we get to make the rules for you, but we don't have to obey them because we're in the class different from you. Yeah, That's it's a different set. Of, yeah, they're different rules. It's a different rule book altogether for uh, for us versus them, which is precisely how they want us all to uh, think. They want us to to think in terms of an us versus them. Talk 1110-993-WBT. The Big Calendar Show, you can call 704-570-1110, 1-800-WBT-1110. Also, you can email Pete at thepetecalendarshow.com. You can also hit me up on the Twitter machine, and that is at Pete Calendar. Um, let me hear a couple of uh, emails at the email. This is old Roy. Pete uh, doesn't have indoor dining, movie theaters, sporting events, etc. During this wave of the more virulent Delta strain of COVID proved that we could have been open all last year during the original less virulent Alpha strain and saved ourselves a whole lot of economic calamity and societal stress. I wish somebody would ask old Roy or Nurse Mandy about that. This is a great point. You know, Governor Cooper put us under lockdown. And when the Delta variant first started uh, emerging and then surge, sorry, don't call it a surge. He was very clear. They're not using the word surge. It was simply a precipitous and rapid increase. Okay. So uh, during the increase, during the Delta variant increase, I kept waiting for people because the question came up. 
When are you going to lock us down? When are you going to lock us down? Right there. And look, you can give the reporters, you know, the benefit of the doubt here and say that they were asking because they wanted to know if this was a possibility. But I think if you ask the question, the natural follow up when Roy Cooper says, no, they're not going to lock down. And you're watching the numbers up and up and up and up, not surging, just going up and up and up very quickly. Um, at some point, you probably should ask, well, why would we not lock down if we're seeing the same sort of increase, in some cases more rapidly, actually, than we saw with the initial wave? Why would you not lock down? And once he says, because we don't need to do that, the natural follow-up to that question would be, well, why did we lock down in the first place then? Are you saying that that was not effective? Was that the wrong call? Was that the wrong thing to do to lock down the entire economy and, and the entire society? Was that wrong? We need to have an accounting here. And I'm not saying that like, we need to beat up Roy Cooper for a bad decision. I've said this from the very beginning, right? I've given people a lot of latitude that are making these decisions because uh, a lot of the choices that you have are bad choices. There's going to be pain either way. And there isn't one. There, there isn't like, here's this really good choice and here's this really bad choice. Which do you want? And they're like, hmm, I'm going to take the really bad one. No, no, wait, wait, oh, the good one. I want, yeah, let me, I'll take the good one. It's not like that. You just got bad choices, bad options. That's all you got. And so he picks one of the bad options. And so I'm not going to beat him up for choosing a bad option because I also understand that had he not locked down and every and everything else remained the same, he would have been blamed for all those deaths for not locking down. It just would have been a, a different group of people yelling at him, I suspect. And maybe some of the same. Because some people will use it for politics, absolutely. Um, but there needs to be an accounting of the policy whether it worked because if it did not work and that's the reason why he's not locking us down during Delta variant that needs to be articulated. We need to know that. And we need to know that. So people stop demanding it because it's a bad policy, right? That's why you do this. It's not, it's not to assign blame. It's to say this worked and this didn't. And if you are unwilling to move off of a prior decision because it was your decision and you're invested in that now, I would submit you're not actually practicing the science. You're doing the exact opposite. Uh, okay, Robert. Hello, Robert. Welcome to the show. Hey, Pete. I appreciate uh, you taking my phone call. Sure. Um, it's not a matter of, you know, like you say, beating up on Roy Cooper on this thing. It's a matter of having somebody... Uh, in the media, you know, ask him the tough questions um, and uh, try to get some answers out of him uh, on all of this stuff. Right. And so I'm a big why guy. I, I like the question why. And so why is that important for us to get answers to some of these questions? Well, I, I think, it, uh, you know, it alleviates some fear on people's part mm -hmm. uh, in that. But uh, I wanted to follow up on Stan's call uh, about the ivermectin. Um, I agree with you, but I also disagree with you on these uh, pharmacists. A lot of them do know uh, that this ivermectin is working, but a lot of them obviously don't know um, and have not studied up on it. I know nurses that don't even know about this stuff, but mm -hmm. uh, I did call around to several pharmacies uh, here in Charlotte just to 
out of inquiry to see if they if I came in there with the doctors. Uh, whoa, 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 whoa! Are ahead. you a journalist of some kind? No, I'm not. Not at all. Obviously, no. because you thought of that idea. Well, okay. <laughs> but, uh, so, anyways, I called around just out of um, you know personal inquiry and uh, and just asked them. Uh, you know, if I walk in with a doctor's, uh, you know, prescription for the ivermectin, we fill it. And most of them said no. Hmm. Um, the good news on um, for me personally speaking is this is my choice. If I do come down with the COVID, um, I, I did access frontline doctors, and the, the good thing about that is there's a list of uh, all these doctors out here, by, state by state, uh, that will. Uh, do a telemed with you, and then prescribe the ivermectin if it needed to be. So I have a doctor down on South Boulevard that will, will yeah. handle that for me, and that's my personal choice. You can also get uh, the uh, the prescriptions filled, I believe, through the mail order pharmacies. That's correct. That's that is correct. Also, um, and uh, so there is uh, information out here. People, you know, one of the problems we have with social media and all this is that most people are intellectually lazy to uh, peel the onion back and dig uh, a little bit further on all this stuff. Uh, you know, the uh, Rolling Stones writes an article. Uh, you know. Hospitals are filled up with people taking mm-hmm. the ivermectin, but people don't research any further on that. Time Magazine, I think, had a front-page article, uh, horse dewormers killing everybody. Um, people yeah. don't look in, and look at the fact that uh, the ivermectin is not only used for agriculture, but it's also been used, you yeah. know, over the past 45 years for human beings also. So, you know, there's there's a lot of misinformation out here in these hospitalization reports that have just come out that over 48% of the yeah. patients now have been, you know, asymptomatic or very, very, uh, you know, light cases of this stuff. Um, and it's not to take the, not to take the COVID lightly or anything like that, Pete, but, uh, right. and this is the thing, like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to accuse you of like, uh, of minimizing it because what you're doing is I think a rational, uh, data driven, analysis and that's what i've been trying to do but it's funny it's not funny but it's ironic how many people and it's disappointing how many people accuse you or me of of trying to get people killed simply by trying to rationally analyze the data all right news is next stick around news talk 11 10 99 3 wbt thanks robert 